Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to City Church U's Knowing God Guided Reading Podcast. We hope you will join us this holiday season as we read J.I. Packer's modern classic, Knowing God. All right, guys, we are back for chapter four of our Knowing God Christmas study with Hank and Amanda and myself, uh, the college pastor, Hunter Levine of City Church U, and we're grateful for you guys tuning in. We hope that you're learning and reading and enjoying this book and that it can be a significant part of your Christmas break. So we're going to go ahead and dive into chapter four of J.I. Packer's classic, Knowing God. The, the the title is called The Only True God. He talks about idolatry and how we can have issues with worship, not just with worshiping the wrong object, but also worshiping in the wrong way or through the, through the wrong way. It's something he said that was really interesting when talking about the manner of uh, our worship is that the, the issue that can come from uh, worshiping through images of Jesus or through something in, in that nature, is that there's a sense in which it can, in, to use his words on page 46, conceal most, if not all, of the truth about the personal nature and character of the divine being whom they represent. So the idea is that if we're worshiping um, through these different images of Christ, that it can cause us to have big blind spots to the full nature of who Christ is, what he's done, what he's accomplished. And so he uses this term I thought was really good, which is concealed truths. I would just be curious in this season where we see so many images of Christ depicted in churches and in popular media, what do you guys feel like are some of these concealed truths that often get missed? Yeah, that's that's a great question to to think through. Um, I, I like what Packer said also on page 46 um, when he was talking specifically about the crucifix, um, Jesus on the cross, that it displays his human weakness, but it conceals his divine strength. It depicts the reality of his pain, but keeps out of our sight the reality of his joy and his power. Um, and, I, and I think that as we sort of think through um, our own lives and maybe the way that we are more often inclined to think about Jesus, what comes to mind? You know, it's not necessarily like his all-powerful, all-knowing nature. Um, it's kind of more of like the the wise teacher, um, the best friend who is always mm-hmm. with you. And so I think it's really interesting to um, think about like, well, what are we missing when we limit ourselves by just maybe the more common images of Jesus, especially in the season of Christmas mm-hmm. when um, you were talking about his birth, but we're pointing to his death, his death on a cross. And that was, you know, the, the apex of his human weakness as he took on all the sin of humanity. Um, so it's just a really, I mean, it's a really interesting question to mm-hmm. think through. And I, I hope like everyone reading the book and listening now can maybe think of ways that they have fallen short in their thoughts mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah, definitely. I'd mostly think of like 
Jesus in power. There's a whole portion that we see of Christ after his resurrection where he's clearly in power. He's clearly now, you know, his time on earth is done and he's here to reign now. But often what we just hear about is like, you know, friend Jesus. You talked about shepherd mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, Jesus walking with sheep. Yeah. Like this handout. Yeah, gentle. Yeah. But rarely do I think we take time to think about the Jesus that we will see when he returns mm-hmm. um, and the Jesus in power that really does like demand worship and praise and, and love for him and what he's done for us. I think that a lot of that can be missed in the Christmas season. Yeah, I think Packer does a good job, too, of talking about how we can use images or, or Christians have used images of Christ over the years as teaching tools, which is different than worshiping an image or a, a statue. Or, and I think that he does a good job in the opening of this chapter, but also if you have a, a book that has, at the end of the chapter, he talks about an additional note that he added in 1993. <laughs> I thought was really good just talking about images rightly applied and he gives some nuance that I think needs to be here because um, you know at my house right now in the Christmas season we have a, a small hand carved nativity scene that is technically a depiction of Jesus we don't worship it like we don't like pray to it or mm-hmm. you know sing to it or anything like it's very obviously just a, a depiction that we try to use as a teaching tool for our daughters and you know to your point Hank you know what P- Packer's saying is you know that image of Jesus as an infant in a manger, you know, if that's all that we're looking at, it can cause, it can conceal Jesus in the throne, you know, that like, that's the, that's the same Jesus. And so if all we know is Jesus in the manger, then, you know, we're missing that. So I'm kind of curious to y'all's thoughts, like, what does images rightly applied look like? Yeah, I like your example, and I can relate to that, because we also choose to put up a nativity scene in our home around Christmas um, and we go through Advent with our children and so that made me think of um, like their storybook Bible Mm -hmm. which obviously is full of images um, and some images of Jesus and I think we could talk all day about whether or not that is um, you know a legitimate portrayal or an appropriate you know ethnic and cultural, mm-hmm. like like you were saying, the color of skin and the, you know, we, we really could just focus on that. But I think we would really be missing the point of um, where, like, from what posture are we approaching um, the image or images mm, or depictions in our home? Um, and as we are trying to teach our children what faithfulness looks like, um, I think that they're is most definitely a way that you see it kind of play out in their little minds that they don't know what it means to worship right now at this mm-hmm. age. Um, so they're certainly not trying to worship an image, but in their minds it's helping them form and grasp you know, what it looks like to be a Christian and how we read the Bible, and that is our source of authority. Um, and so I think what it can look like is just that we point to these images, but that's the starting point, and then we go forward from there in mm-hmm. conversation and living life as a Christian family, um, and and talking about the thing the the things where we know we fall short in that mm-hmm. we don't know what God looks like. In fact, McKinley the other day asked me about 
well, what, like, can I see God? Mm. And so, like, what a great question for her to have and for me to be able to talk about that, especially after reading this book and how we just, um, there, there is no image of God. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be an image that could capture his glory. Mm. Um, and it would just always fall short because we are created by God. And as creatures, we can't create a true image of God anyway. It would always be less than. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really the point. Yeah. I mean, we really here at this church don't really come from a context, a lot of Baptist context, that we see images. Mm-hmm. Um, often there are a lot of other contexts um, and churches, denominations that you do see images portrayed um, often. Um, so I think that really what it comes down to with the ones that we do have, like most people do have a manger scene. Um, some people have, you know, cross necklaces, things like that. We really have to just keep them in the right place in our minds. Like, are these, are we actually like using these, um, as tools to help teach about something rather than it it becomes an issue when like we, we need them or we're using them to worship. Mm -hmm. I think that's really when it becomes an issue and can actually take on like a form of idolatry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt real challenged by it because I think too, like you even take like like a cross necklace that, you know, the nature of that is it's going to cause you to think a lot about like Christ's atoning work and the forgiveness that you have in the cross. And that's good, but can maybe like cause you to think a lot more about, well, I have forgiveness, I have forgiveness and not about like the responsibility I have to like fight sin in my life. And I did feel this as I read it, I felt like a really good I think it's important to learn how to read works like this and actually wrestle with them and not and say, okay, I already have some preconceived ideas, but let me actually engage in the text that's presented to me. Let me go look at the scriptures and think about it and try to understand the point that he's making, which is that could be well-intended, but cause us just to to conceal certain truths. And he, he said something I thought was really good too. He was, um, uh, just one more thing I'd add on that too, is that throughout church history, this idea of worshiping images and using images has been, we don't have time to get into the history of it, but it has been a really, it's, we don't think of it as a big deal. We think of it preferential and Packer talks about that, but there's been huge conflict in churches and amongst different Christian groups over the years about how images should and shouldn't be used. And mm-hmm. I mean, basically borderline many wars over it. So it's a very, uh, something that our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout church history have taken really serious. Um, but he says, you know, um, you know, he, that God forbids us to dream up mental images of him. And you, you hear this phrase, and Packer uses this phrase, I like to think of God as blank. And that is a phrase I've heard a lot. And I've heard a lot of people talk about that. And, um, you know, he says, all speculative theology, which rests on philosophical reasoning rather than biblical revelation, is fault here. In other words, like, we need to think of God as he's presented himself to be and how he's revealed himself. And I even talked this morning at All Staff uh, during devotion about how in this Christmas season, like we see a lot of different kind of representations of Christ that are that are faulty. Like we see what I what I call, um, you know, I call him uh, mascot Jesus, where he's basically like it's not the true Christ; it's just a Christ who represents ideals like peace and hope and joy and very vague broad Mm -hmm. senses Mm -hmm. and then i talked also about cheerleader jesus who's not the real jesus who basically has come here to help you have your best life and get the next promotion and you know i think we it's easy to identify those but i think there's a lot of there's a lot of everybody has a tendency to try to make god fit into what they want him to be calvin talks about that a lot like my own 
my own construction of God that is comfortable with me. How do you guys feel like this plays out with college students who are constantly surrounded with conflict and conversation about Christ? Yeah, I, I think that um, it could definitely be something that could cause like some anxiety when you realize like you're overhearing a conversation about, you know, just a very secular conversation about, um, well, I see God as a mm-hmm. blank or, you know, I don't really believe in the God you worship. And anyway, just I think that that can bring on some anxiety because we want to be followers mm-hmm. of Christ who can articulate like who is the God we mm-hmm. worship. We we want to get that right. I mean, the hope is that every Christian would want to be able to speak to that and, and inform others and point them to um, to, to Jesus too. So, um, I think that for them, and especially people reading this book, this is a wonderful time to, um, practice articulating that and, and really, um, being able to interject into a conversation with, with some boldness and confidence in, um, in our holy God and and who He is and and why it is so inappropriate mm-hmm. to just try to um, attach attributes to a higher power to fulfill whatever you think you need or lack in this life, um, and just but in a very gentle way um, to. Um, you know, not hurt people's feelings in the process mm-hmm. and turn them off to Christianity, um, but just to really kind of take on that charge of like in that moment, that's your responsibility mm-hmm. to bring some clarity. Like, don't rest in that they're just, you know, you've had this opportunity, but you're willing to turn around and walk away, you know. Um, and so I hope that um, that this may just be an opportunity for students to to really nail that down so that they have a great answer that they feel really confident Mm in using. Yeah, and often, like, I found myself in a philosophy class in college, and it's just, like, all of this trash being said about, like, who God is, these arguments for God. And I think it's good that, like, we spend time making sure that, like, from the Word and in our heads, we do understand who the God of the Bible is because, Mm -hmm. like, there is only one God, and He's revealed Himself to us in the Word. So when you come into these situations where you hear people talking um, about who they think God is, Mm -hmm. um, or, you you know, you come into contact with people that are struggling through different things, and people are trying to console them with some, like, form of a Christian truth, this is something I'll Mm -hmm. often find— you can be able to like defend the faith and at the same time share the gospel with people with an understanding, not some like built up God in your head, but the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that I think is important in this conversation that I, I really like how he kind of rounded the chapter out was he says this on, on page 49. He says, the point is clear. God did not show them a visible symbol of himself, but spoke to them. Um, therefore, they are not now to seek visible symbols of God, but simply to obey His Word. I think this is really important in this Christmas season, too, where it's really easy to go through a season that seems like it's so much about Jesus and to even think, make yourself think that you're thinking a lot about Jesus without spending time in His Word. And um, 
I think that that's really important is that we have a God who has spoke and he's chosen to reveal himself to us through word, through language. And um, this should really drive us to be people who want to spend time in God's word, want to listen to the word preached, want the word to be a part of their conversations. I mean, how do you guys feel like as, as people who are people of the word, Christians are people of the word, how do you guys feel like this fleshes out in this holiday season for college students? How do they do that well? Yeah, um, I think that it just, it takes time to just step back and really like analyze your life. Hunter, you talk a lot about um, self-reflection, seasons mm-hmm. of self-reflection. I know that you and Hannah um, do those like quarterly, mm-hmm. um, but really just to take time to step back and to think like, how much does the word actually apply to my life? Hmm. Do I actually have any scripture stored up in my heart to be able to use it, to hmm. think about God? Um, am I, you know, am I creating an image in my mind that isn't Jesus? Are the images in my mind scriptural ones? Um, and just take some time to reflect using the Bible on who Jesus is, who our God is, how he saved us. Um, yeah, just use use the time that you do have when you're not in classes um, and when you, you do have more free time, you know, rather than watching hours and just binging Netflix until there's nothing left um, <laughs> to uh, really press into the Lord to, I mean, seek answers where you want answers. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that if you seek the Lord... Um, he will come to you. Um, so just seek him. Um, and I think just a lot of practical ways through prayer and meditation and the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree that it starts with capitalizing on the free time that you do have. And sometimes we flounder in that because we're not used to having free time. Um, and I and I do think that um, it should be said, it's also a time for rest However, there's biblical rest, and then there's binging Netflix all day long. So um, I really liked what Packer said in the, um, in the last section on looking to the true God. He says, um, the God of the Bible has spoken in his Son. The light of the knowledge of his glory is given to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Do I look habitually to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ as showing me the final truth about the nature and the grace of God? Do I see all the purposes of God as centering upon him? Hmm. So I just think that in this time, as we see nativity scenes, we're talking about Jesus. I mean, there's so many opportunities for even, you know, the most secular people to maybe start questioning, well, like, who is this Jesus and what does this mean? And mm. and that it's just not about the holiday of Christmas. It's not just about Santa Claus and presents and 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 all the things that we associate with Christmas time, but what does Christmas mean for me? And am I centering my life on what I know about our Lord Jesus and and what does that say about our God? Mm-hmm. Um and and just you know, we don't like to say that it's about us, but our lives do re- reflect mm-hmm. our, um, you know, our faith and what we believe to be true mm-hmm. um, about our God. And so just really not being afraid to 
have that self-reflection, which we, I know we keep saying that we're probably overusing that, um, (laughs) in a way, but, but in true self-reflection, there is really deep meditation. And I think that that does mean spending extra time reading your Bible because Mm -hmm. you have that extra time. I do think that that means, um, maybe doing a special book study or something like this, that just really Mm -hmm. will feed you and nourish you. I mean, it is nourishment for the Christian mm-hmm. to read scriptures. And I think we miss that because we feel sometimes so overnourished by other things mm-hmm. that um, that are in no way live up to worshiping our, our God. So I just think that it's, it's really important in this time to use that time and not to get to the end of the break and, and you know, regret the missed opportunities. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we encourage you guys just to continue to work through this book, to take time to study the scriptures that Packer talks about, and to, to definitely realize that I think maybe more than any other season, we're getting blasted with all these ideas about who Jesus is. We have to make sure that scripture is the, the thing that's speaking and informing our view of who Jesus is, and not, and not culture, and not lit up nativity scenes, and other things like that, that might be well-intended but can actually have negative consequences. So continue to join us in this study, and we're excited to dive into the next chapter.